Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for this time of fellowship with um, other men of the church. I just ask that um, you you give me the words uh, to speak, and then I just ask that my testimony could be uplifting and uh, encouraging to those who hear it. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, uh, just a real quick aside: um, public praying is hands down the most terrifying thing in the world to me right now so you made it yeah thanks for bearing with me um so i was born and raised um as a mormon up in washington state um i have two parents they've been married for about 47 years now um i have four siblings two older i've got an older brother an older sister and then a younger brother and a younger sister of the group of us my mom still attends the mormon church and my younger sister is still very heavily involved in that, but everyone else has kind of just dissipated or gone gone their own way. Um, growing up, I went to church every Sunday. Um, we had, it was kind of segmented. We would have sacrament in the morning where the whole church body meets and then would break down into the, you know, the men and the women, and then you'd have the youth go somewhere and the adults would go somewhere. And I was, I was baptized when I was eight years old. Um, had, I don't want to go too far into church history or anything like that, so I'm just trying to give a real quick um, what it was like. But we had, there's 13 articles of faith for the Latter-day Saint Church. It's basically just real quick bullets of the what they believe. It doesn't go too in-depth. And so as a youth, you would grow up memorizing these things. And so I got a handful of them done. I still got a couple of them rattled around in the back of my head. But like I said, I was baptized at eight. I got my first scriptures from my parents at eight years old. And um, as I got older, I got more interested in like my friends, sports, things like that. And the average age of the church that I attended was about probably 60, a little bit over 60. And so the youth program wasn't much to speak of. So like most kids, if you don't have anything to keep them engaged, it's really hard for me to want to continue going to church. It has nothing to do with the truth of the matter. It's just... I was bored. There were other things I could be doing, and sitting at church for three hours on a Sunday was not my favorite thing in the world to do. So I walked away when I was about 17 years old. Um, I didn't completely leave church entirely. It was just, it was one of those back burner issues for me. I just didn't care um, at that point in time. And so um, at about 19 years old, I joined the military. I uh, joined the Air Force and went to Luke Air Force Base out in Arizona first. And coming from a very sheltered life, the first time I'm out in the world able to make my own decisions and do whatever I want, I decide to just make the worst possible decisions that anyone could. I mean, alcohol, women, and just about every other sin you could possibly think of within legality. Um, I jumped heavily into. I was part of a job. So I'm an air traffic controller and the personalities within that career field tend to be very type A personalities, uh, very arrogant, prideful, overbearing. And I had found my camp. Like I was really, really good at fitting in with those people. And it was to my detriment and also the detriment of some other people that I would meet outside of that group. If you're not used to that kind of a personality all the time. Um, and it was just, I cannot remember a weekend in the first three years I was in the military that I wasn't either highly intoxicated or just flat out passed out in the parking lot of the dorms. Um, it was it was not it was not me at my best. Um, 
through this time, I, I met a couple people um, who were uh, Christians. I met a guy who was a Mormon, um, and I would just bounce things off of him. It was never, it was never serious search or anything like that. But it was just, I mean, conversations would cut off. We'd talk, and it was around this time that I really started to have problems with the Book of Job. Um, it, it, the first, it, it, this idea that Satan had already screwed things up in the garden. He still had access to heaven, still had access to God, and here we have God making a bet, essentially, with someone who he has nothing to prove anything to, um, and just destroys this man's life, who, for all intents and purposes, didn't really deserve anything like that. Um, I understand the theology that we all are sinners at this point in time, and that like we all that deserve is not the best word, but from where I was at at the time, that's really how I looked at it. It didn't make any sense to me, and it didn't align with what I viewed justice as or fairness, and it really started to eat at me. Um, my next base was Korea, and after that, I found this book called The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Um, back in the mid-2000s, right around 2005, 2006, the New Atheist Movement was really kind of coming into its own in uh, public conscience, and Richard Dawkins was one of the people at the forefront of that. <clears throat> Reading this book, he was able to articulate things that I was feeling um, that I hadn't been able to put into words up until then, and so it was one of those, I bought the book, I went home, I read it cover to cover, did not put it down, and when I closed it, it was, yeah, this is where I'm at. And so that began about a decades-long time of my life of I was an atheist at that point in time. I did not believe in God. I did not believe um, there was an afterlife. This was it. This is all we get. And I thought that that better isn't the right word, but I did think I was better than a lot of people at this point in time. I thought I was smarter than a lot of people at this point in time. Um, I thought that anyone, not just Christianity, but anyone who believed in religion at all, I thought was completely ignorant and misled and I treated them as such. It was really bad for the first five years of that. Um, I would seek Christian, like I wasn't walking down the street and if I was like, hey, are you a Christian? And then just like go to town on them. But if I found out that someone was a Christian, I made it a point to try and ruin that person's faith. I wanted to just absolutely shake the foundations of what I thought they believed. And, um, Sometimes it was in very cordial conversation. Other times it was less cordial conversation. Um, but it, 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 was, it was very aggressive, um, and I was very militant about it. And during this time, I didn't think it was possible, but my drinking became worse. Um, Korea is, it is a very work-hard, play-hard environment in the military. I mean, they encourage, I have never seen alcoholism really encouraged. Uh, in a professional setting, quite like I had there. Um, you would have squadron commanders meetings where these people would bring kegs in so that people were drinking while they were um, briefing you on whatever they needed to brief to you. It was, it was just, I mean, it was a unique experience. Um, and so, not surprisingly, I was running into problems because of the drinking. Um, I was starting to get disciplinary issues. Um, and toward the end of my time there, I had gotten uh, what's called an Article 15. It's uh, like the worst 
form of punishment that they can give you prior to a court martial. Essentially, it's like we don't think we need to kick you out, but we really need to rattle your cage here. There was they took money, they almost took rank. Uh, I had a wonderful squadron commander that decided not to do that. But um, two weeks before I left there, I was supposed to go to Spokane, Washington, and they decided they were going to nix that and send me to. In Oklahoma. And so 2008, I got on a plane and I came to somewhere I had never heard of. And when I Googled it, Google was in its infancy. It was like, do people even live there? Like, this just kind of looks barren. So I, I came here angry, really, really angry. I had a chip on my shoulder. Um, Alcoholism was still a problem, um, but now I'm starting to get into a, I'm using people at this point in my life. I don't really care um, how I'm affecting the people around me. And it was, I mean, that was affecting my friendships that I've had for a while. It was affecting my family life. It was affecting my professional life. And... I had decided at this point in time that like I had made the worst decision by enlisting in the military. It was just it was just awful. Like nothing good has happened since I joined the military. And so I had 100% committed to getting out. I had about a year and a half left. And then a gentleman by the name of Wade Clegg decided to get orders out here. Um, and he was my supervisor. And this man outside of my parents and my wife is one of the two most important people. I have ever come across. Um, he really took the time to pour into me um, and turn my life around. He held me accountable, and he really uh, got me on a path that was much more productive. Um, and so, after a brief uh, deployment to Iraq, I, I decided to reenlist. Uh, and so, what better place to go back to than Korea? Part two. So uh, this time, though, it was much better. It was a much, much better experience. I was really focused on getting my career in line. I was more focused on trying to be a better person, and things went very well. Um, I was not quite as angry towards people, and I continued studying religion. And I, I use quotes because I, I read a lot of books um, from the time that I stumbled on Dawkins, um, to, I mean, I still read a ton. I love to do it. But I didn't really read the Bible. So I read a lot of things that commented about the Bible, but I didn't read the Bible. So I knew a bunch of verses that I could use to kind of throw out, and if you didn't understand the context of what I was getting at, <clears throat> I didn't understand the context. So if they didn't understand the context, it was real easy to um, attack them. I mean, Genesis stuff, uh, Deuteronomy stuff, Levit, you know, the, the really juicy stuff that no one... Everyone kind of like glosses over when they read and they don't really understand why those things are happening. It's easy to take some things that sound abusive and cruel and throw them at someone who's really only focused on like cursory New Testament information. And that's not necessarily bad depending on where people are in their walk, but it's real easy to use that stuff to try and mess with and or unsettle someone's faith. And so that's, I, I kept um, looking into that. I stopped being as militant towards believers, although I really did still think they were idiots. I mean, I cannot even stress this enough. Christians were, I, I don't really know how to say it with polite language, but I, you would, whenever things would happen, the ones you would see on TV were never the best depictions of what a Christian should be. 
Um, the ones that typically were outspoken were not the best examples of what Christians should be. And so that's what it, what, that's what I had built up. It was a small man, essentially. That's, that's what I had envisioned as this is what a believer is, and it's not worth even engaging with them at this point in time. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at with that. Uh, from Korea number two, I went to Germany, and it was just more of the same. A lot of drinking. Um, and the trend throughout all of this is that my pride and arrogance really blossomed in this time of my life. I thought I was smarter than I was, and I wanted everyone to know it. I wanted to be the smartest person in the room, and I needed everyone to know that I was the smartest person in the room. Um, and it just, it wasn't good. So in Germany, another big thing happened. I met uh, Scott Foshi, who is important person number two in my life, who I would not be here today if it wasn't for this man. Um, we, we just became casual friends, coworkers. We would engage in conversation. He was a Christian. Um, his dad was a Baptist preacher and he was just a, a great guy, just a really nice guy, fit in with everybody, um, was a great example. And I remember my favorite conversation I had with him in Germany wasn't really a conversation with him. I was talking to another coworker who loved pushing my buttons. And even though I knew he was doing it, he was really, really gifted at getting under my skin. And it was kind of a, a pastime of his. And so one day we were talking about the age of the earth and it was... He was just going back and forth talking about how dragons probably really existed and some other stuff. And in walks Scott, and I said, hey, Scott, you're one of those Christian guys. How old do you think the earth is? And he, without missing a beat, says, Colin, I can only confirm that's been here for about 33 years, and then walked into his office and completely <laughs> ignored the rest of the conversation. Um, <laughs> he's a great guy. So uh, I decided to separate out of Germany for various reasons, moved back to Washington, moved in with a girlfriend I had at the time and was surrounded by um, non-believers. Uh, just not having faith was kind of a default setting for the group that I surrounded myself with back in uh, Washington. It's a super liberal part of the country. This is not any, probably a surprise to anybody, but there's, it, it's just, there's a lot of people up there. So faith at this point in time was not even something that um, was even in my daily conversation. I would go to the church I grew up in maybe one, like on Christmas, my mom would ask me to go. And so I love my mom. I'm going to go to church if she wants me to go to church. It's just, um, I didn't really pursue anything. And then 2015, um, I broke up with my girlfriend and realized that I was nowhere close to where I wanted to be in life. It was just not, um, things were not shaping up the way that I thought they should or were going to. And so I had moved from working at a jewelry store after uh, I separated from the military, doing the whole bill shuffle if I don't pay my electricity. This week, they're not going to shut it off for another two weeks. I got time and just kind of rotating, which was an incredibly humbling experience and super important uh, moving forward. But I had moved my way to, I found an entry-level management job at like 2, 2 a.m. on a mid-shift. Um, I reached out to a friend of mine that I used to be stationed with, and he had me shoot me his resume shoot him my resume and four hours later I had a job offer as a contractor in Afghanistan and so a month later I was wheels up off to the Middle East and about 10 months after that a job opened in Del Rio Texas where lo and behold Scott Foshi was and he was looking to retire there and so I put an application in reached out to him to use him as a reference and he 
pulled as many strings as he could and he got me there. So in February 2016, I started my life in Del Rio, Texas. Um, my favorite thing to do when I got there was go over to Scott's house, we would have a beer, and we would just talk theology for hours to the point where he would have to throw me out of his house because he had to go to bed. Um, but it was, it was just very uh, friendly conversation we were having, and it was, it was peeling away misconceptions I had, and um, it, it was correcting some false ideas that I had, that I had held on to for a long time. Um, also, over the course of the last probably seven years, I was realizing how bad the arguments were that I had initially read in that Dawkins book. Like, there's a lot of atheist philosophers out now who really don't like the fact that he is still in the public sphere. Like, he's just not a good philosopher. He does, when he talks about <laughs> philosophic issues, they're not good arguments. And I was starting to find out what a good argument was and what a good argument wasn't. And so now I was in a position, even though I wasn't a believer, if I heard non-believers say bad arguments, I would go after them. Because I just don't like it when people, I, ignorance still bothers me. Um, and so I found myself defending Christianity a lot more than I felt I should just because um, I didn't believe in it, so it shouldn't have cared whether or not people were saying right, wrong things, it didn't really matter. But I ended up getting into more arguments with non-believers over the bad arguments they had than I was with believers who believed something that I thought was complete nonsense. Um, one day, Scott invited me to a class called Journey, which was their Sunday school, essentially. It was a, a handful of couples ranging from your early to mid-20s up to uh, mid-30s, something like that. And they were going over a book called what, So What's the Difference? It kind of glosses over about 20 or so different worldviews and religions and compares them to what Christians believe. So the week they were going over Mormonism, he asked me if I would come just to be kind of a sounding board that they could ask questions to if they had any, um, any, any questions. And I did, and ended up dropping my note cards all over the ground, and here we are. But uh, I ended up meeting some friends of mine who are still very close friends of mine to this day. And because I liked the people there, and I liked the pastor, I kept going. Um, again, I, I was not a believer at this point in time, nor did I care to be a believer at this point in time. I just enjoyed the, uh, the network. I, I, I enjoyed that, that social interaction I was getting with people. And so um, one night, I can't even remember how the topic came up, but I had agreed to do one more deep dive into Christianity for Scott. Um, and I told him if this didn't work, I was done. Like it takes way too long and it's just not something I'm interested in doing again. So. I left his house, went immediately to Walmart, got the cheapest NIV Bible I could find, and went home, opened it up, and just started letting red ink fly on some, some just dumb arguments. Why was the snake talking in the first place? Why was the tree created? If we couldn't have it, why is it even there in the, to begin with? Um, and then went over to his house the following weekend and dropped it on the table and just opened it up, and he was like, oh, oh, we're going to do this now. Okay, so I just start peppering him right and left with everything I can, and he's he's just like, okay, stop. He's you have some good questions, but can I bring Joe in on this? Pastor Joe Ricuti was the uh, pastor at the church that we were attending, and I said, sure. If you've got someone who can give me some answers, I would love to talk to him. And this began about a three-year relationship with him, where we would go out to coffee probably once a week, and I would just throw everything and the kitchen sink at him and he would, his eyes just lit up. He loved it. I mean, he was just having the time of his life. He was giving me books to read and he's like, I have never even thought about that, but I'll get back to you. And he would, he would send me the uh, links to websites or he would get me answers. And he was really 
he loved talking about this stuff as much as I did. He was really passionate and just, I mean, he poured into me over the course of three years. It is just, um, I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to measure how much that, that was worth. Um, this is also around the time I discovered William Lane Craig, who is a, uh, an apologist. Um, I'm surprised I didn't stumble across him earlier because I really liked Christopher Hitchens, who was another one of the like big four new atheist guys. And they had a debate around 2011 where Hitchens gets destroyed. I mean, if you want to see just a textbook takedown of someone who has no idea what they're doing, it's a really good debate, but it is two hours and can get dry in places. So be, be forewarned. I've told you. But it's, I mean, it's just a brutal takedown of the guy, and it's the first time I was able to hear someone intellectually articulate a Christian belief in a way that made sense to me, and it gave me a newfound respect for people with belief. I didn't, again, I didn't believe anything at this point in time, but it made me think that maybe I should approach this from a little bit different point of view, because there is clearly something here that I'm missing. If someone this intelligent can articulate these things in a way that makes that much sense on these issues. And so I started diving into him. Um, I started listening to pastors. Um, some good, some less good, some are more uh, motivational speakers, really. I mean, I started listening to Andy Stanley. He's a big name, so I was listening to a lot of his stuff. Um, and he did say one thing that really jumped out at me. He said, if you're moving away, I'm gonna butcher his quote, but if you're moving away from something, you're moving towards something else. And it really, I don't know why I thought it was profound as it was, but I mean, it really was kind of a light bulb moment for me to really start taking this seriously and not just look at this from a point of, okay, let me find all of the problems that I can find in here and force other people to give me the answers. I need to start looking at this in a deeper way. And so um, <coughs> I started doing that. And over the course of this time, morality started to become a really big issue for me because I always thought I was a good person. And I always thought I was a better person than most Christians I had met because to be honest, most Christians I met were not the best people by any standard really. And so when I started looking at objective and subjective morality, I was really struggling because I believed that there are some things that are just objectively wrong. Doesn't matter how many people believe in it, it's just wrong and you can't convince me otherwise. And it was really hard for me to logically get to a place where I could say that without having some form of a deity. It didn't get me to Christianity, but it was very much, if you don't have a standard that says this is right and this is wrong, you really can't make the jump from this is how we ought to be, to this is how we are. It, it's just, it, it's, it's, it was a really, difficult struggle for me. And so um, I also met Bethany um, when I was in Del Rio. It was like two or three weeks before I left. I had accepted a job in Utah. My little sister lived out there. I was getting ready to leave and I was doing a local production of Mamma Mia. I had a pink jumpsuit, some platform heels on. She saw that and said, yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, we talked over the course of the next week and a half or so, and we decided that uh, we would give the long distance thing a shot. If it didn't work, then, I mean, we, have, we didn't lose anything. We can call it a day and just go our separate ways. But um, when I got to Utah, COVID decided to rear its head and shut everything down, which ended up being a massive, massive blessing for me. I know that it was very uncomfortable and inconvenient for a lot of people, but it 
shut the airlines down for a while, and when they reopened up, tickets were super cheap. So Bethany and I were able to travel back and forth once or twice a month and see each other, which we never would have been able to do had this never happened. Also, work schedule was a lot different. They, they went down to like, you would have one set of people work one week, and then you were off the next week, and then you would come back the next week, and so I had a ton of time to study, look into things. I started going to school for a little bit um, for apologetics, and then um, this, it was in Utah that I started narrowing my focus to was Jesus resurrected? There's a lot of different areas in the Bible you can study. There's a lot of different aspects of religion you can work on. But I figured if I could figure that piece out, then I could buy into everything else without knowing all the details. If, if Jesus is who he says he was and he was really resurrected, then I can take everything else and work on the details of what that means later. Um, and so I really did. That I, I just started read Everything I read was through a very narrow lens of that goal in mind. Um, and I want to say by late October of 2020, just kind of a quick fast forward here, um, intellectually, I was on board. I had gotten to a point where the Christian worldview made more sense to me than anything else. It explained more than I thought anything else explained, and I still didn't believe it. It was a really weird position to be in where intellectually I thought, yeah, okay, this is probably more than likely true. And I still didn't believe it. Like in my heart, it just wasn't. And that was a really difficult place to live for a while um, because I didn't know why. Like what was, <clears throat> what else was there? If this is true and I'm at a point where I'm like, yeah, okay, I buy into this. Why am I not getting this, this sense of like, yeah, you're right. It is true. And so I had this internal kind of struggle for a while. I remember um, late, late October of 2020, I, I knelt down and prayed. And I did the whole, like I had read the books and I said, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus come into my life. And nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. I, I opened my eyes and I was in the exact same place I was. I, the, over the next week or so, I was, nothing changed, and it was really, really frustrating. Uh, Bethany was wonderful. Throughout this time, she never pushed, she never prodded, never gave me any ultimatums. She would always just occasionally, hey, where are you at? What are some things you're thinking about? She was always just really supportive um, of everyone. And then I want to say it was around Thanksgiving. I was talking to her last night trying to nail down this date, and we couldn't remember exactly when it happened, but we went to visit her sister. Um, and her and I went to visit my friend Scott and we had gotten back to her sister's house and we were sitting in the car and I just completely broke down um, because I didn't think it was ever going to happen. And we had laid ground rules when we started dating that were very firm. Um, and one of those was if I don't accept this, we aren't going anywhere. Like we are not going to get married if I can't accept the beliefs that you have. I wasn't, it was important to me because I mean, if you have kids, you don't want to have different mindsets going into that. Um, and so I told her that if I couldn't, she was going to have to be the one to call it off because I just wasn't strong enough to do it. I loved her. I knew I was going to marry her the first time she came out to visit me in Utah. Um, and I, I just remember telling her that I'm trying and I'm just afraid I'm never going to get it. 
Like, I, it was terrifying to me that I was going to lose this because I had done everything I could and I just wasn't going to get it. Um, and I remember she started, I was in tears, just bawling. She starts crying. She's leaning over. She's trying to say that Jesus loves you. Like, you, like, just stick with it. And it was, I mean, we were probably out in the car for 20 minutes, just a mess, just snot, tears, everything. It was just not a pretty sight, but, um, I, so I kept going. And, um, May 20th of 2021, I went back to Washington. Um, I think I was just visiting family. There was no really specific reason for going back, but I reached out to a friend of mine in high school who was a believer, and I just asked her if her church was meeting in person, because this was still at the time where there were a lot of churches that were just doing the online thing because of COVID, and Washington was just Washington. And so, <laughs> and so uh, she said they were, and I went, um, was sitting in the back, and then at the uh, handshake time when they're done with the music and you get like five to ten minutes to go get coffee, say hi to everybody, I go up, I'm talking to her, she's introducing me to her pastor, and this gentleman approaches who is wearing just the most American sweatshirt I have ever seen. I mean, there was just this massive bald eagle on it. The Constitution was draped over the shoulder, and it was just one of the most obnoxiously beautiful things I've ever seen, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and he was just having a really tough go of it. And I hate, every time I've told this story, I keep telling myself that I need to reach out, but I hate that I can't remember this guy's name. I want, it was either Jesse or Dustin or something like that. Um, but he was having a really, really hard time. Um, his wife and him were having issues. His wife's kid was like, stole their car. He was into drug problems and he asked the pastor if he could pray for him. I was standing there, so they looked at me and I was like, I'll stand here, but I'm not praying. Like that's not gonna happen. And so, um, put my hand on the guy's shoulder. Uh, pastor put his hand on my, made a little circle thing. Uh, and he starts praying, and I can't even remember what he's praying, but I just remember that I had um, just this feeling of peace um, came over me, and it was almost like a puzzle piece just kind of clicking into place, um, and I knew. I, I mean, it was, it was clear as day that I knew um, <clears throat> that it was, it was all true. And so, um, I'm in tears at this point. Not, I'm in shock, quite frankly, because like I'm not. For some reason, I always thought that my conversion was going to be this big, flashy. Like I looked up testimonies online, and you hear about these guys who have to like, ah, oh, I was in a field, and I got hit by a lightning bolt, and I was flying for a while, and now I'm, you know, and it's just like that's how I always pictured it happening. It was just, just this big, massive moment, and it wasn't. It was just this really quiet, peaceful moment in a church in Olympia, Washington, and um, I was just kind of stunned and in shock, and then I didn't tell anybody. Nobody. I didn't tell anybody um, for two weeks because Bethany and I were going to go to Del Rio again, and I already told, I told her from the beginning that if, if it ever happens, Scott's going to be the first one to know. I'm sorry. It's just the way it works. Yeah, he's been in this fight longer than you. He, he at least deserves that. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so we go to uh, we go back to Del Rio and we're hanging out with Scott and we're going to leave his house one night and I've got them both there so I'm like this is great they both get to find out at the same time so I nailed it and um, I look at him and I'm like well since I got you both here I just want to let you know yeah I, I'm in 
and they look at me like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side now, guys. And they're just like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I believe now. And like, her mouth, so Bethany, I'm sorry, quick aside, Bethany just had surgery, and so she was all whacked out on painkillers at this time. So probably not the best time to drop this bomb on her, but she's just kind of out of it, but her, her jaw hits the floor. Scott is just over the moon. He's, he's hugging me, he, we're crying. Bethany's just standing there with her jaw on the floor still. Um, and then we're walking back to the car, and we get in, and she just looks at me, she's like, really? I was like, yeah. She's like, really? It's like, yeah. Really? And I'm like, yes, yes. Okay. And then she just like kept over it. And then she starts crying. She's happy. We're hugging. Um, and after that, just a quick fast forward. I, uh, when we decided we were going to get married, I couldn't do my job in Houston. She couldn't do her job in Utah. So a friend of mine that I used to work with here reached out to me that a job was opening up, and so I applied. We moved out here. I got here last August. She moved after we got married in January. Um, and since all of this happened, um, like I was mentioning earlier, it was really important to me that I was the smartest person in the room. It was always very important to me that I knew more than everyone else around me. And now, like, I realize just how, like, ignorant I am for like like I don't know anything it, it's it was a wild revelation to me that I just don't I've read a ton of stuff and I've dove into a lot of um, philosophy books and theology books and I really don't know anything and it's crazy and I'll ask questions at Bible study on Friday that I in my head I'm like I'm sure people are gonna look at me like this is a dumb question but I, I gotta ask it and it's just it's one of those things that I just I was reading everything through a very specific lens. I was trying to find problems with it, and I was trying to rip it apart, and so I didn't actually take any of it in, and I never understood any of it. And so then once I, once I believed, it's like this whole ocean was open, and now I didn't know where to start. It was just so much information out there. Um, I've become so much more compassionate to people that I meet. Um, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, work is probably my biggest struggle point because that's a group of people that has a specific personality trait and when I get into that mix it's easy to fall back into um, habits of speech habits of uh, just the way you act it's changed um, there was a coworker that I had that I meet with probably once a week now he retired but he and I about a week or two before he retired we would have some pretty deep theological conversations um, and he just looked at me one day, he's like, I never in a million years would have thought I would ever be having these conversations with you. And it's just, um, man, it's been, it's been great. Um, I, I try not to judge people as much as I used to. Um, again, my language is a lot softer than it used to be. I still slip up, but it is, it is significantly better. Um, and it, I'm just, I'm still a work in progress. And I try to make God the central focus of my life. Uh, my wife and I, we really try to place God at the head of our marriage. Um, we, we try to do devotionals every day. We try to read the scriptures together every day. We pray together every day. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm trying to continue to work and pray and chisel away at uh, the things that I used to be and to be a better example for the people that I interact with. Um, 
So now when I'm studying, I'm studying to grow closer and to understand. It's not to win any arguments. It's not to um, throw it in anyone's face or be better than anyone. It's just, it, 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 it feels like it's just, it, it just brings me closer, if that makes sense. Um, I now have a book of questions to keep myself sane. So I've just got a little tiny book that I keep next to me and anytime something, I'll just write it down so I can go after it later instead of just running down rabbit holes right and left and not focusing on anything. Um, and, and I thought numerous times about how to end this and I just, that, that's the end. Like now I'm here and I, I am loving uh, this church and I feel like it's just been an amazing blessing in our lives and I never in a million years would have thought that Enid, Oklahoma is gonna be where uh, home was gonna be for me but I couldn't be happier to be here and so yeah, looking this up, there were a lot of people that were throwing scripture verses in their testimonies and stuff, and I, I couldn't do it. Like, it's just, I couldn't, I'm not familiar enough with it to slide them in there smoothly. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys, for listening. I really appreciate it.